This is Joe Bowen. You're listening to Five One Hundred Five. Five talks. Five talks. More than just music. Hello, everybody. This is Giancarlo Alino reporting for Vibe 105 with a special sports Vibe Talk segment where we're going to be talking about all things Toronto Maple Leafs and get some insight on the role of the announcer. To help me out today, I'm happy to be joined by my guest. and He's known as the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Joe Bowen. How you doing, Joe? I'm good, Giancarlo. How are you today? Oh, doing well. Uh, Joe, another season is going to be starting up here for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, a lot of players getting back into camp and getting back into the mix of things. So I just want to get to know what the offseason is like for you and what do announcers do during the offseason to be prepared for when the next season starts? Well, you uh, obviously keep uh, an ear to uh, uh, all of the transactions that are going on. And obviously, uh, once trades are made, you uh, start to do a little research on the new people who are coming in and uh but you know for after doing this for 38 years i find that if you start doing all kinds of work beforehand half the time you get to training camp and they've made a couple of additional moves and so a lot of the work that you've done is kind of a waste of time so i try to spend as much time with family as i can in the summertime because we're away so much during the winter yeah, and Joe, you've been broadcasting games as the announcer for so many years. And during that time, there have been many changes to the way the game's being broadcasted on both radio and TV. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit of some of the changes you may have noticed from the start of your career till now in terms of how the game is being broadcasted, especially for hockey? Well, I guess I'm, I'm an old school guy, and I'm glad that I have Jim Ralph working with me uh, because our uh, tandem kind of does it. Uh, the way we, uh, we were brought up with watching hockey, and that is when the play is on, the play-by-play guy does his work, and when the play stops, then the color guy does his work. Uh, I find television now has gone to a lot more of a conversational kind of uh, active. Uh, when the play is on, everybody seems to be jumping in with their thoughts and whatnot, and uh, I, I don't know if that's right or wrong. I'm not sure whether the general population likes it that way. I'm kind of glad we do it the way we do, but radio is obviously quite a bit different than TV. You can, uh, a viewer can see what's going on, and really the conversation is sort of the secondary part of it because you're watching the game. Radio is a little different. You try to paint the picture uh, of what's going on in a uh, listener's mind, uh, who has it, where it is, uh, whether it's a scoring chance, whether it's just in the middle of the ice. Uh, so I think that perspective hasn't changed much as far as radio is concerned, but TV has changed dramatically. I would suggest that it's a lot more conversational. Yeah, and you are on the radio side of things. Uh, do you find that it's a little bit more difficult at times because you're relied on to break down every single play as it goes on? Or do you find it maybe to be a little bit easier than TV? Because as you mentioned there, it doesn't have to be as conversational as the television side of things where everybody's just getting their points in and you can just break down the game. Well, I mean, again, it's, it's what you're... The, the two mediums are completely different, obviously. Um, yeah. You are trying to paint a picture in the minds of eyes uh, of those who are listening. I think that the style that I have, I attempt to do that, uh, trying to be a little more graphic as to the actual description of who has it and where it is. Television, on the other hand, they've gotten so many graphics, so many other visual items that they're going to try to get in. When you're doing radio, the guy who's doing the play-by-play is pretty much the producer and the director of the show. What he decides to do is what you're going to hear. Um, when he stops, you're going to have the color guy do whatever he does. But television pretty much is run by the guy in the truck. He has uh, vignettes. He has uh, boards that he wants up, visual boards. Uh, and so he's directing the people in the booth. 
as to what's coming next and who's going to be talking and what we're going to be talking about. So uh, to that end, it's, it's, it's quite a bit different. And any good television broadcast, if it's going to be really good, it's usually because of the guy in the truck as much as it is uh, for the guys in the booth. You brought up Jim Ralph there and uh, just even myself watching back on the Leaf Nation Network, some of those old school games when Wendell Clark and Doug Gilmore were playing and later on in the Sundin era when you were calling games with Harry Neal, you just hear that honor chemistry. How do you guys build that honor chemistry to where it sounds natural? Like, do you guys call a few games beforehand just to test it out and practice a little bit and get a feel for things? Or is it just the relationship you guys have off the ice that it's much easier to have that honor chemistry like that? Well, when you, um, I mean, first off, you have to have good people. And I've been really blessed, uh, you mentioned two of them in Harry Neal and, and Jimmy Ralph, to have A, very knowledgeable hockey people, B, very self-effacing humorous, and C, they like to have fun and enjoy themselves and make it not just a hockey game, but a piece of entertainment. And uh, I think that's very important. And I think it behooves the guy who's doing the play-by-play to let these guys have full reign when you can and uh, I think that's what adds to the entire broadcast, whether it be radio or TV. And I've been extraordinarily blessed uh, with a number of people that I've had in, over my career to work with. But the chemistry starts very quickly. Both Harry and, and uh, Jim Ralph you can pretty much know where they're going to go before they even open their mouth. And many times some of it is somewhat rehearsed. Uh, Harry Neal liked to get in uh, one-liners that he had either read or dreamt up or something. And so before a game, he would ask me, uh, somewhere in the game, he got to ask me about Roger Nielsen's tie. And he would have a, a story about Roger or uh, somebody else that he wanted to get in, but he needed me to kind of set the volleyball up so he could spike it. And uh, that kind of creativity and that kind of working together was really uh, second nature to us. Joe, you've been around the league for a long time. As someone like yourself who's, you know, done it for all these years and you see like the new play-by-play announcers coming in and just hearing their work, what is something that you've noticed in some of these announcers that, I wouldn't say a mistake, but something that they should maybe change or adjust a little bit when they're calling a game? Well, any of the young people that I get calls from about wanting to critique their stuff or whatever, I, I try to impress upon them that it's not World War Three. it's not the biggest game in the history of sport, unless, of course, you're doing Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. But uh, you have to let the game breathe, and you have to let it have a cadence, uh, almost like a singer. You can't take it from ground zero and get it up to 100% and then hope to maintain that kind of a level through the entire course of the game. It has to ebb and flow and your voice has to be able to do that. Otherwise, you are going to you know, yell yourself hoarse and uh, it doesn't flow, I guess, for the lack of a better term. So I, I think that's something that uh, young broadcasters have to learn, that not every second is the most exciting second of the game. Uh, let it ebb and flow. Let people enjoy themselves a little bit. Take a bit of a rest. Obviously, uh, your cadence changes when there becomes a, a decent scoring opportunity or a goal is being scored for either team. And that's the other thing, too. I mean, I, I find it rather ironic, uh, if not kind of bothersome, that some broadcasters don't get at all excited when the opposition scores. Sometimes you're listening in the up scores. Well, you know what? I mean, I, well, what happened? What happened there? Where, what's going on? So I, I think you have to enjoy the game and broadcast the game as much as be the guy that's following just one team. 
Uh, Joe, we're just going to shift gears a little bit and talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs because uh, this offseason was quite eventful for the team. Uh, Nazem Kadri was traded. Jake Gardner uh, ended up signing in Carolina and Patrick Marlowe traded as well. Just uh, I want to give our listeners a better idea of uh, the kind of guys these players are off the ice and specifically to Nazem Kadri and Jake Gardner who've been around here for a long time. What kind of impact would you say uh, both players had on the Toronto Maple Leafs? Well, they had dramatic uh, impact on the team, and and they will be missed. Uh, obviously, being uh, ousted in three straight first rounds, the management felt that there's some changes had to be made. Most fingers were pointed at the lack of defense in front of Frederick Anderson, and so I think that is the area that was addressed the most. And in order to get good players, you have to give up good players. Uh, uh, Jake Gardner was let go as far as free agency is concerned, just recently signing with the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. But in order to get a top defenseman, you probably have to give up either a top defenseman again or a top forward. And Nazem Kadri was the bait that was utilized to get uh, Tyson Berry along with forward Alex Carefoot from Colorado. And so we will see how the league defense corps shakes out. Zaitsev and Brown go to Ottawa. Cody Ceci, uh, another hard-nosed kind of a defenseman, along with Ben Harper, who will at least give the Leafs some size back there. I don't think he's the puck-moving defenseman that everybody cherishes now. But the other aspect of this team that needs to be addressed is uh, some physicality. And um, the one forward that provided that on most nights was Nassim Kadri. So I would think Ben Harper might uh, be along at least as a, an extra defenseman, if not the sixth defenseman on the, on the ice throughout the course of the season. So a lot of the things that went on this summer were to try to improve a defense. They think they have enough scoring, and they probably do, but they, uh, they needed to improve their defense core, and so that is where a lot of the attention was spent this summer. Yeah, and you brought up physicality there and getting rid of a guy like Nazem Kadri. What does that do for the Toronto Maple Leafs' identity? Because you had a guy like Nazem Kadri who would bring that physical play on a night-to-night basis. And now with that player gone and being more of a fast-paced, high-offensive team, do you think they're going to struggle a little bit to create a new identity for themselves? Well, teams teams create identity, um, and, and each team is different. Every team goes through... Uh, a raft of changes uh, between a quarter of the team or a third of the team is exchanged in the off season for various reasons, notwithstanding uh, the salary cap. So a team's identity won't be really made until a third of the season is in. Uh, obviously, Austin Matthews is the face of the franchise, uh, and a lot of how the identity of this team will be, how he and uh, Mitch Marner uh, end up, uh, being the offensive catalyst going forward. Um, but the St. Louis Blues really struggled to find any kind of an identity and were in last place in January. So um, uh, the identity of the team is something that really is, is created throughout the course of the year. Um, the Leafs are hoping that their identity is um, uh, uh, prolific goal-scoring opportunities uh, abound, but much better defensively in front of Frederick Anderson. And that means cutting the shots against down from in the 40s to uh, the uh, 30s. And if they do that, they'll be a better hockey club all around. 
Yeah, and like you mentioned there, hopefully they are a better hockey club all around because uh, the last two seasons we've seen with the Boston Bruins, those early playoff exits in the first round, tough losses to them. This offseason bringing in a guy like Tyson Berry, and now with that addition, hopefully the team is structured well to make a long playoff run. Uh, What would you say is a realistic expectation for the Toronto Maple Leafs for the 2019-20 season? Make the playoffs. If you do, anything can happen. And the St. Louis Blues were a perfect example of that. Uh, you just got to get in and then hope that you have some success. And uh, uh, I think that's everybody's goal at the beginning of the year. Winning the President's Trophy is very nice, but we've all also seen that's not uh, a guarantee that you're going to carry the ultimate prize around with you at the end of the year. And so the Tampa Bay Lightning are in a position to try to rebound from that. So any team's goal, especially with the number of teams that are in the league now and how few really get into the postseason, um, that is the goal. Now in this cap world in the NHL, uh, the Leafs, much like other teams, have to make these tough decisions, have to uh, adjust their roster every year. There's more parity in the league. Is it fair to expect the team to go to the Stanley Cup final? or Because like a lot of fans I talk to, there's some on the fence. Some say, okay, at least get to the second round because it would be the first time since 2004. And then the other group of fans I talk to say, well, you know what? The team, the way they have it with all these star players, if they don't win the cup, it's a bust. So is that a fair characterization? to make on this team or would you recommend that you know fans should expect okay let's build slowly each year and then hopefully you'll get that Stanley Cup at the end of it well I mean you're not going to win it every year there aren't teams that have dynasties that win it you know four years in a row so again you got to get in Uh, you got to get into the postseason and that's uh, once you're in then obviously then the expectations rise and and what should be done or what can be done happens. And, and disappointment usually befells the team that is there because only one's going to be able to tote the, uh, the ultimate prize around the ring. So the whole idea, I guess, and, and everybody has got their shorts in a knot about 67 and how long it's taken and this and that. But under the circumstances now, I think it's just get into the postseason, try to make your team more playoff weary I guess or are making sure that your team is built for a long playoff run I think those are things that are learned by ownership and management and that is the way it goes because the, once you do get into the postseason it becomes a, um, a state of attrition who's going to be the healthier team who can withstand the physicality that obviously is uh, ratcheted up when you get into the postseason and you play a team seven games you've got to remember I mean everybody's very upset by the fact that the Leafs got bowed out, but they've gone to seven games and and really had the Boston Bruins in game six maybe on the ropes uh, where they should have won. But seven games and a tight series the way they've played shows you that they're very close. And a break here and a break there changes a lot of things. All of the square pegs fit in the round holes for the St. Louis Blues last year, and they ended up winning. And I don't think anybody thought, boy, here's a team that really is a Stanley Cup contender and a big-time favorite. Yeah, I agree there. And Joe, before we wrap up here and let you go, how can our listeners follow you on social media? Uh, well, we're on Twitter, um, at Bonesy Tweets is probably the best way. I, I kind of keep uh, Facebook and Instagram uh, to family and friends, but uh, we have some fun on, uh, on Twitter and they can certainly follow us there. Well, Joe, I'd like to thank you for sharing your time and coming on Vibe 105 to talk Leafs with me. And I wish you all the best this season. Okay, thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you later.
That was the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Joe Bull. And now we're going to send it back to the studio for more programming right here on Vibe 105. And now back to your Vibe, Vibe 105.